Recorded live on either side of a pond and only one of us is on meds for ADHD right now. It's Transformation Thursday. My name is Amy Stevens and my pronouns are she, her. I'm Jenny Hart. I'm not on any medication. <laughs> I'm crazy. What I'm are you? she, her. You're a she, her as well. She, her, she, her. Yeah. Jenny, what are we going to talk about tonight here on the podcast? Everything. Yeah, everything. <laughs> We're going to talk about comedy, COVID, GNB, you coming out during COVID and comedy and also trains. just... We're definitely going to talk about trains. Yeah, we should probably give a content warning that that might be a little tough for some person because it does talk about physical assault. Yes, yes, so, it does. But so we need to talk about these things. We do need to talk about it. We do need to... We do need to all know, so if you get to that part of the podcast and you feel yourself being triggered, it's okay to fast forward, you know, 15, 30 seconds through that part, portion at a time. How does that sound? Sounds amazing. Let's do it. All right. Well, we'll be right back with my interview with my friend Jenny Hart right after podcast general counsel Jamie Rodriguez reminds you that Transformation Thursday is copyrighted material. Whoop, whoop. This is Francesca Rodriguez, the General Counsel of the Transformation Thursday Podcast Network, here to remind you that Transformation Thursday is copyrighted material. All rights reserved, 2021. You can support Transformation Thursday by leaving the podcast a five-star rating and writing a short review on Apple Podcasts. It's free and helps to get Transformation Thursday out to a larger audience. On Twitter and Instagram, follow us at TransThursPod. On Facebook, follow us by searching for Transformation Thursday Podcast. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. I'm Jenny Hart. My pronouns are she and her. And I'm Amy Stevens still. My pronouns are she, her as well. Jenny, I'm so happy you're here with me. <laughs> oh my gosh, we were just talking a little bit ago. It's been way too long since we've seen each other in person. I think the last time we saw each other was at Guilford Winter Pride or um, late November of 2019. Yeah, Christ, that's ages away, isn't it? it just take seems away like... that, take away that COVID year, and it was almost like yesterday. <laughs> you know that that's the way it feels. It feels like it was ages ago because of COVID, but then because of COVID, it also feels like it was yesterday because it was like yeah. that was like my final big trip before COVID hit. Yeah, was it you that spread it? <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> did you go bypass China? <laughs> I think there was an Italian businessman on the flight next to me on the way out of Heathrow Ooh. on the way out of Heathrow that day. Was he a looker? <laughs> you know me, you know I don't look at men. Well, I try not to. Yeah, so but it yeah, so it's been a crazy, you know, year and a half. Um, you know, I you know, we were talking this interview got pushed up a week because of your gig schedule. So you get him back to gigging. What's going on over there with your company? Loads, loads of gigging. Do you know what? When I first got back into gigging, I was really worried that you build up to a level and you, you progress, you know, your progressional ladder. I thought I was at a really good place to start making an impact uh, towards going full time as a comedian. And I thought when COVID hit, I got really depressed that we would lose all of that. And the first gig back was absolutely horrible and I hated it, but I had to do it to get, you know, just to, just to blow off the cobwebs. And, the, you know, the comedians I talked to, everybody had a bad first gig back. And now sort of 15, 20 gigs back in, I'm, ex I'm exactly where I left off and it is an amazing, lovely place to be. Well, let me ask you a question about that. So did you write new material? Were you writing COVID's material? You know, what, when you came back, what was the material you went to? Um, I kind of think like COVID was a bad thing, but for my career, it was a good thing because it made me rethink everything I do. And I realized why, because at the end of that as well, I wasn't that happy with comedy. And it was because my stuff had become stale because I was just relying on well, the gold, as they call it. So when I came back, I thought, I'm going to write new stuff. And I wrote a whole bit of just stand up, no music, uh, and an opening joke with the chameleon's head, which you saw at the beginning. Um, and then that's kind of 
really reminded me of the joy of throwing new stuff at people who've never heard it and yeah. seeing whether it's going to die. Yeah, what I think I've found since coming back from COVID is like I've missed hanging around other comedians. Mm. Like their energy spurs me. And then also I have a friend who really helped me with some new material. And she and I have, you know, even though she's not in comedy, I can bounce material off her and she can give me, you know, setups and ideas and different punchlines and different tags. So it's, are you, are you going through that, you know, joke writing stuff a little bit differently than you did before? I kind of think with my, because I came out during COVID fully, um, only because no one was around. You know, when you're gonna, if you're going to walk the streets, make sure there are as few people on the street as possible. COVID, zero. So I whacked on a dress and came out. Um, but what it also did is it gave me a lot more confidence. Um, and what I started to do was my, my other comedy friends as well, we would bounce stuff off each other. And that's a new thing for me because you've got to be brave to tell another comedian your jokes um, and be judged on them. So, yeah, it's, it's been a good thing. Yeah, I think, you, you know, you hit something there too. It's like when we go to, especially open mics, because that's like our practice sessions as comics, but the rooms are always comics and you're going to yep. local open mics and these folks know you. They <laughs> know your material, right? How many times do you just go to an open mic and like this shit sucks? But yeah, but you got to go with, but you got to go do it. Are you are you finding that you're getting back into that routine as well, or are you just doing the bigger gigs? Yeah, I'm not doing open mic stuff really. Um, I'm just throwing it completely out there. Um, what I'm finding is, I remembered a couple of years ago, my set, my 20 minute set was solid. It was solid and it was doing really well but I, it was becoming stale. So what I decided to do was just take bits of it out and put new bits in and just see how they fit and put a new bit in. I, I don't really go to, I don't go to open mics mainly for the, I don't have enough time. I'm working, got gender stuff. Um, so I kind of do my manipulation at home and then throw it to a professional audience. And then when no one laughs, you know, it's not funny. <laughs> It's just like that mental note in the back of your head. All right, this one's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also you sort of, you tick it off the list. It's really nice to be brave enough to put something in, but without sort of going to an open mic or telling people, hey, this is a new bit, just seamlessly trying to wedge it in there. Yeah, and at open mics, you also don't get 20 minutes. I mean, you're going to get five no. You're also, most open mics, you're going to get five tops. And so, you know, you kind of have to go to three or four open mics to work on your 20. Exactly, yeah. Do four in one night to get your yeah. 20 out. Yeah. Or yeah. I've been doing some competitions uh, and like gong gigs um, because they really, really make you hone your craft. And they are only five minutes. So the first one I did, I did like a gong gig. You get gonged off after five minutes. When the gong went off, I was in my head. I hadn't even started doing my comedy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because you run up, don't you? You have a good bit at the beginning, a lull, and then, well, that's what I do, and finish on a banger. And this gong went off, and I'm like, what are you doing? I've just started getting going. <laughs> and everyone was like, hey, well done. Wow. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your competition history, because pre-pandemic, pre you were doing some pretty big stuff. I mean, um, where did, where did you do your big performance at the Royal the Royal Albert? Um, I think that one was what for top of the top of the bill was that yeah. I can't remember. It's a big theatre in London. Yeah, it's on the West End. Oh, that one. Oh gosh, the that was um, Pride in London at the Apollo. Okay, that was yeah, not live not live at the Apollo. The yeah. Apollo. But I can say I was live at the Apollo. <laughs> <laughs> but you were doing some big stuff and making some waves, and you have mm. a funny musical act. I've I've seen it live in person a few times, and you know, were you featured on the BBC or um, you know, I Channel Four over there? Did uh, BBC Local when comedy was coming back? They interviewed a couple of us about what it was like to come back. But it's, it's funny because the other two talked about their comebacks. I mentioned that I came out during the pandemic and they just they just went with that. They just went with my coming out story. So kind of everybody knew really. Well, this is the third time you've mentioned coming out. So, you know, you're coming out of the pandemic and you're, 
you're coming out, you're doing your thing comedy wise, and you mentioned some gender stuff. So, you know, when we left off in in December of 2019, you were still exploring and trying to figure this shit out. So when mm. we went into lockdown and you went into lockdown over there in Guilford, what happened? I, I went in as a gender fluid, maybe a non-binary entity who had no clue which way I was going to go. And I kind of, I was sitting on my sofa. I was sitting on my sofa and I was just thinking, gosh, you've tried everything you can to be a boy for everybody else. You've been through relationships, you know, you've presented, you've done this. And you've got to admit, none of it's worked. None of it's worked. So you've kind of proved to yourself that being a boy isn't for you. It's time to be the person that's in, you know, that voice that's been, let me out, I'm in here. <laughs> and I thought, you know, today's the day. And I, I did, I got that day and went, today's the day. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that, you know, you you for you just mentioned let me out, let me out, and I remember the first time we met in person after our communication via social media. It was mm-hmm. it was in Soho, and we met for Indian dinner, and then we went over. Oh, we did with your friend. Yep, with my friend Emma. She's been on the podcast before. And ah, so, she's brilliant. Yep, she is. And then we go over to the Royal George, and you had to slip into Jenny, but when yep. you came Hello. out as Jenny. <laughs> You were so much more comfortable. It was just you, and and that was, and you could tell the difference, you know, mm. going back and forth. So, how did that going back and forth, you know, did it mess with you? Did it was it triggering for you? And how have you found comfort now that you've come out fully as Jenny? Do you know, it's weird because we use our, I say we, but we use our male selves as uh, protection and armor. So. When I go to London to gig, I don't want to get on the train as Jenny because I don't want to be ridiculed, embarrassed or picked on. So going going as Matt is a really was a really, really good armor. So then I got to the gig and I could just get changed in front of people who accepted me, get unchanged and go home. Well, yeah, and that's exactly what happened. But, you know, you've had some real life situations where you've been in danger in yeah. London and on the trains on public transport because of your gender identity. I mean, so if you're willing to talk about some of those experiences. Oh, do you know, it, it's really odd because my last partner really sort of sat me down one day and talked to me about the danger I was putting myself in, not by just being Jenny, but by getting the train home, which is the crazy train from London. It goes at one o'clock in the morning and it's the last exit from London. So if one's drunk, boisterous, there's fights, there's all sorts of stuff. So people on those trains are looking for trouble. People around the train stations are, you know, it's just one of those facts. And she persuaded me that it would be better for me because I could to, to derobe as it were. Um, and that, that came about, I was at Waterloo station and I got there two minutes after they pulled the shutters down. Now I live about 60 miles out of London. So it's really difficult to get home. So I got my phone out to call my mum. I think I was going to call my mum to ask the best way. And just this gang of about 14, 15 youths suddenly surrounded me. Um, and what went from, oh, hello, darling. Hello, darling. Suddenly there were punches, kicks, nicked my bag, uh, stole my wig. I, w- I, was, I was dressed as Jenny, fully as Jenny. Um, and yeah, it was, a, it was a brutal attack. But it was more that... When they, when they ran off, they stole my bag and my wig, but when they ran off, I felt really naked. I was in a dress, I was crying, I just had my boy hair, and everyone else at the station, who was obviously drunk outside, just ignored it. And, you know, I've never felt so alone in my entire life. Um, yeah, and when I called my mum, it, it was a traumatic experience, but it, it's kind of one that I learned from. You know, if you're gonna stand out, don't stand out on the crazy train. That's really important words to live by. Mm. You know, don't we have st- to. We have, yeah, we have to be very wary of our identities. I, I've, I've never been in that type of situation, and you know, when I hear that, I, I feel something here in my heart that just pulls at me, mm. and you know, and it, it, it's. I'm sorry you had to go through that, but I can also sense. 
And I wonder if you feel this now when you're recounting it. Do you feel a strength that has come from that? I think I said before we started this, I trivialize, I trivialize everything. And as a comedian, that's how I process trauma, everything. You've seen my set. So, you know, most of the stuff in there is It's a glorious set. <laughs> it's very dark and it's very wrong. But yeah, it comes from, a lot of it comes from real life experience. But I don't know. It, that experience made me understand that you know, I was I was presenting as a showgirl, a short skirt, and this isn't this is in any way that women shouldn't present like this because that's not how the world works. But you know, I had sparkly boots on, a short skirt, skimpy top, I had a guitar. I stood out. I stood out so much, and it's kind of like it's okay to stand out that much on stage, but is there any need for it off the stage? Um, do you remember Elliot from GMB? Not off the top of my head, if I saw a picture, maybe. Ginger fella does really dark stuff. But he said to me one day, he said, why don't you, if you want to be Jenny, why don't you just dress in slacks and a T-shirt? And I was like, always oh, got a point. Why, why, don't, why don't I do that? And it was a real mindset change for me. So it's kind of like you don't see anyone else that flamboyant on the train. And if you do, it's one, it's rare, but two, that they're sort of with other people. So... Yeah, just be careful out there. Well, and I don't want to get into story comparison, but I remember being out in Paris a few years ago with some friends and we were on the metro late at night and, you know, I was still bouncing between modes, but, you know, three of us were out, you know, trans women presenting and, you know, at 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning, you know, you, you, I don't know if you've been to Paris, but, you know, the the, new, the newer open cars like the, like the underground in London, you can kind of see forever, right? Mm. So it's one of those cars, and we get on this train, and all of a sudden, like, ten lads, like, in the next car ahead, look back at us, and they just locked onto us. Mm. And so we get to the next stop, and they're, like, whispering and snickering, and it, one of them starts to move towards us. And just before the door shut, I'm like, we're getting off this train now. Yeah. And we yeah. just jumped off the train, and it... it <laughs> Like, it's weird, isn't it? Because something happened to me today. Just uh, I heard people talking about me as they I was sat on a bench as they approached me and my heckles went up and the safety net come down. It turned out it was just a woman and her, and her son, young son, about 12 years old. And they were just sort of questioning what they saw in front of them. And that's fine. But my heckles went up because I was the same. I did a gig once, went to a train station to go home. It was dark. It was one of those, I don't know isolated stations and I was there just waiting for my train and then I heard oi boys 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 look look check that's a, that's that's a bloke that's a bloke and I immediately knew there was going to be trouble but there was nothing I could do because they were coming down the stairs and I was on a platform with only one way out and they came down and they started doing that they started snickering as you say I like that word giggling and then it started to get more physical and they started pushing me around uh, and then their train came into the station and it was the second to last train. So it must have been their last train and they had to get on it. But if they hadn't have got on it, I don't know what I would have done. Um, so, yeah, it's weird how people lock on to you. But when they do, you're like, oh, oh no. Yep. Yeah. No, yeah, it is yeah. a weird feeling. It, it happens. You know, yeah. Where am I going to go with this? I'll write a song about it one day and I'll call it. I don't know if I can swear, actually. So You I'll can swear it. on here. I just call it cunts then. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. That's fine. I love it. Bottom Tourette. It's okay. You you make fun and you say whatever you need to do. You know? Do you? This is the thing I've, that I've noticed recently and it's sort of part of why I think I've got sort of slight Tourette's is when you sneeze, do you shout after your sneeze? I've never shouted after sneezing. Oh, mate, my neighbour must think I'm a right fucking weirdo because I go... <laughs> Sometimes I start dancing, I sneeze and go da, 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 around the kitchen. I think to myself, what are you doing? What are you, you doing? You are a crazy bitch, and that's why I love you. <laughs> I'm happy with it these days, to be honest. My last two trips to London I or England, I have seen you, so I'm, that makes me happy. So. Yeah, it was good times, wasn't it? Yeah. We'll get, even, I'll, even, I'll get back. Even, I'll get back, I promise. Even when we were with Emma, there were sort of people looking, but not in that sort of, in that aggressive way. They were just looking in an interested way. 
Yeah, and I think that's partly to do because of the neighborhood too. You know, we're in I a just think it's normal to look and to be wondrous, like inquisitive. That's how our brains work. But don't step over the line. Yeah, but now that you've come out and, you know, I've noticed the softening in your face over the last few months because of hormone replacement there. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. face, by the way. Thank you. Are you noticing, are you blending in more to society now as you walk through the stores and you go through your day and the shops and you go through your days or are you still standing out? This this might resound with you. Of course it's going to resound with you. But the more air of confidence that you walk with, the less the less you stand out. Does that make sense? Yeah, so you're walking t- to a shop with Falcon. Walk at full conviction and go and buy some lipstick. Well, oh, right, how you doing? Yeah, brilliant. Come laugh to this one. Red, yeah, cool. Red, yeah, try it on whatever. Fuck off and pay me money. Whereas if you go over and you start sort of, oh, God, shall I do it? Oh, no. Oh, oh gosh. Uh, people stare at you. People are going to stare at you. So I just think my aim in life is for people to neither say anything good or anything bad so I can just blend in. And I'm getting more towards that because I don't look awkward. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you're going to wear a pair of slacks and a T-shirt and you're just going to go out and be yourself, you know, that's 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 exactly what I found, too. Confidence overcomes a lot. But, you know, mm. you, you mentioned something there. The group of people that I really have the hardest time with sometimes are, are the early teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> like, they can look into you and cut through your heart with like, it's like they have a glass tip saw blade on the end of their eyes. It's just like, whoosh. I can say really nasty things as well. Yep. Ban- banter. But, you know, they're very witty banterers. They're, they're bang in the middle of not saying anything and being an absolute asshole. Yeah. I think that's what scares us the most. Yep. So as you're going through comedy now, you're going through your life, you're living as Jenny now. Um, the other guy is, you know, slowly dissipating into the background, you know. Gone. gone. Okay, gone. Didn't want to jump to any conclusions. No, ever. no. When that day I changed my mind, I was like, you're dead, you're dead to me, mate. Gotcha. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> well, now you're, you know, what's what's on the horizon for Jenny? In, in what respect? Work, well, let's start with comedy. comedy. Let's start with comedy. Comedy, I'm looking for an agent at the minute because uh, I see other people of similar uh, talent, I suppose, uh, with agents. Uh, and I, as we talked about ADHD, I've got no organisational skills whatsoever. Uh, and that's what an agent can do. Um, and I'm moving to Manchester. Uh, and I'm going to dis- well, I've decided that I, I do better up north. My comedy does better up north. So I'm going to go up there and shine. That's interesting. Why do you think your comedy does better up north compared to, you know, Could Guildford be, or the seacoast? Well, Guildford, no. Guildford's, Guildford's a money town. People don't give a shit about comedy there. They just give, you know, money and cocktails. Um, so there's never been a comedy circuit round by me. Uh, and I think London's just too, it's just too hectic for me. I don't really like, I like to go to a gig in a social club where everyone's drinking pints of bitter rather than, you know, these boozy cocktail nights and stuff. I just, I just think people up north appreciate comedy much more for, for what it is, in essence. Have you been to Manchester in December? Yeah. It's I've been dark. to Manchester a few times. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going, I, do you know what? I'm going there to p- pursue. I'm going there for, for a change in my life, for a fresh start. You know, I, there's too much stuff going on around here. I've lived here all my life. People people are too ingrained with my old self. And it's just something I can't untwine, uh, untangle. And I think it's nice to have a fresh start. Comedy's better up there for me. I said, I'm looking forward to it, yeah. And I love the cold. I love the winter. Yeah, and it's dark. Yeah. So I, I, remember, I remember being up there. <laughs> I remember being there. You don't need to sneak around. You're too pretty for that. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember being there in that last in 2019 I actually got up to Manchester for a couple mm. nights and I mean what the sun comes up at like 9 and goes down at like <laughs> it three. doesn't come up at all oh my it's just gosh a, it's just a it's bloke just like holding it's a, blo- it's a bloke holding a cardboard cut out of the sun <laughs> he just walks it walks through the street that's it <laughs> yeah with a with a couple torches in his hand right 
Yeah, yeah, and a, and a heater on his back. So you can feel just this, just a grain of heat. Um, it's kind of funny. Have you have you ever done comedy up up north anywhere? No, the only place I've done comedy is with GMB in London. So oh, that's so. You know, GMB loves you. Yeah, no, I've I've kept in touch with Kyle over the over throughout the pandemic, and he's oh, been on cool. the he's been on the podcast. So and so, yeah, actually, you know, this podcast, yeah, you're the including me the fourth gnb person to be on it come on gnb is yeah. my spiritual home and i say spiritual it's the first place that so i did comedy for two years and i never thought i fitted in because no one really got what i was doing uh, like getting changed and stuff like that um and then kyle and suddenly i felt at home i felt at home at a gig i felt somewhere i could not walk on stage and think oh god are people judging me and you know it took me a good two years to find that thing comedy. I hated comedy for the first two years. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's the special place about, you know, there's no other promoter in the London area that I've seen that creates the space and the venues that Kyle does. Mm. And, you know. And the MC wizardry of collecting people together. Yeah, and so, I mean, it's an amazing, and I mean, Actually, if you count Jordan Gray, Jordan's been on the podcast too. That's oh. actually five people that's wow. been. Yeah. So, but, you know, to be in that space and, you know, and I've I said this before too, but, you know, you have Jordan up there who's can sing, can dance, who's funny as fuck like you are. And then she just whips off her top and you're looking at her tits. You know, that's a great night. I don't care who you are. I mean, that's that worth, a, that's worth five pounds. That was a strange gig though, because kind of like, this, this is going to sound wrong, but it's not wrong at all because it was such a good gig. But it, she took her top off and I instantly became sad because I could see what I wanted to be, but I couldn't be at that time. And it made me really, really sad. Um, but in a way, it was kind of liberating because I could see also what I could be. If that makes sense, I was, I was mixed emotions with it. It was a great set, don't get me wrong, and no negativity, but I just looked at her. Uh, whoppers and was like wow they're amazing i want them now well and i think that's a very powerful realization that you had and i mean and there's and you we can have both feelings inside of us at both times and they're both perfectly valid Hmm, of course yeah now i'm going into mental health counseling amy okay cool i I have one i have one more (laughs) year left until i get my credential oh wow well done yeah Maybe that's my ticket in getting a job over there. Get in with the NHS and their psychology department. Jesus Christ, you'll be way, way too busy. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't <laughs> wish that upon anybody. Christ. Maybe I can work with the gender clinics over there. That'd be all right, yeah. And some yeah. good money. <laughs> there you go. Good money. Do you need a roommate in Manchester? <laughs> uh, for mental health services, you never know. Yeah, we're going to barter that, are we? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you deal with ADHD, the waiting list over here is about three years. I'm on it. Just for ADHD? Yeah, and then the problem is that because of the free service is so backed up and we've had COVID, which has brought out a lot of people's mental health, all the private clinics are booked up as well. Oh, wow. I can't get well. I can get seen, but for twice, almost three times the price, and I can't afford that. Well, how much are... um... When you say, I mean, for you to go into like a 50-minute hour counseling session, I mean, what is that going to, you know, run you? So when I looked into the last clinic, it was £1,800 to get your first, uh, what do you call it? When they say, yes, you've got ADHD, definitely. £1,800? Yeah. For one appointment? For the for the main one, yeah. Oh, oh, Jesus Christ. That, that, that's what I'm saying. Because the system's overloaded, people can charge what they want. It should have been. It should have been the first person I looked at was about five hundred pounds for uh, initial di- diagnosis and a session, um, and I think some medical information. And then yeah, it's just shut up now. So yeah, that's... <laughs> joy. Well then, okay. So you're on HRT. Are you doing that? through mail-order pharmacy? You go doing that through a gender clinic? I mean, and if you don't have to answer that question. So if you do on the NHS, I was told I had to wait two years before they would even um, 
diagnose me to put me on it. Whereas I went to a proper gender clinic and had my appointment straight away uh, because I paid for it. Yep. So I saved myself two years of this journey by paying. So do you, when you say go pay, is that through Gender GP? That's the one that I've seen a lot. Uh, London Transgender Clinic. Okay. I know there's I pay, some... the, I pay them a subscription every month for their services. And then they do the blood work and monitor your medications well, and all that stuff? They do everything apart from the blood work. We get that done for free, but okay. it's done as part of shared care. Okay. Right, yeah. But that, and I think that's, you know, I have this love-hate relationship with our medical system because it's, you know, health insurance, it's private. and But mm. at the same time, you know, so I I decided like, you know, May, you know, of 2018 that I wanted to go on hormones by July, I was on them. Mm. You know, and in the three years since then, you know, I've had my two surgeries. Mm-hmm. But if I were over there, I would, you know, especially if I was trying to do it through the NHS because it's quote unquote free, I would be on waiting list probably until I'm 70 or 80. Well, my friend's been on it for five years uh, waiting for surgery or just to be looked at for surgery. Um, so, yeah, it's tough. But it's nice that we have these people to, like my friend told me that I could go private and that it would be a skippy skip of the two years and it's not really skipping it at all um you're just doing what's best for you yeah you're doing what's best for you <laughs> and you know talking about our friend emma talking about somebody that knows the, the ins and outs of the private side of hrt over there she really knows it well and she understands really well the diy side of it too so yeah if you ever need a consultation from dr emma let me know I didn't know she was a doctor. She's not, but she plays one on TV. Oh, I see. Yeah. Gotcha. What? Really? No. I was going to say, she's, just, <laughs> she's an internet she's, wizard. She, she's just really knowledgeable. She's really sciencey and geeky, and she gets that stuff. Yeah, so she's if I have, thorough. Yeah, if I have a question like you know about my stuff, I, she's usually the first person I go to. <laughs> nice. Hey, let me ask you a question. I need to go talk to my doctor about this. And she'll be like, okay, ask this, do this, do I'm like, okay. And then she's always, she's always been right. She's batting, you know, yeah, you know, 1,000 over here. So that's anyway. cool. So work-wise, where are you at with work? I mean, you're moving to Manchester. I know before you were doing some illustration, if memory serves me I'm, right. a, I'm an animator. Uh, yeah. I work, I work for myself at home and nobody knows where I live. So it doesn't matter where. I could be on the moon and I could do my job. As long as you have high-speed internet, it doesn't matter, right? Do you know it's probably up there already? The Chinese, yeah. the Chinese put it in. Could you imagine one day walking along, tripping over a wire, and it's the wire that's the high-speed internet for yeah. the moon, and the moon just goes blink. I think you, I think you can access it from your Huawei phone. Do you still have that? Oh, I've got to, yeah. <laughs> See, I remember you have a Huawei phone. I do. I love it. Camera on it's absolutely stonking. I remember. So the weird things I remember. So so you're yeah, working. I don't remember anything. Oh, my name's Amy. We we've met and hung out twice and we met yeah. on Instagram many years ago. So just remind so even that seems weird because obviously our friendship and dynamic changed, didn't it? Obviously it went from just talking on Instagram to live friends and then what my brain does is like because we've jumped into a new re relationship as it were it puts that to one side and brings the new one in yep so you know talk of instagram just being instagram friends is weird because it feels like in this friendship relationship box this is how it's always been <laughs> yeah but i think it's yeah i mean because of covid and the way it is but at the same time you know because i love to travel we've had a couple opportunities to meet and mm. so i hate to travel it, oh god oh, it's I, just I love it anxiety i i just roll with the punches of it and i just i love traveling and meeting new people and i mean and you introduced me to kyle yes savior savior you, of comedy you mean you you saw something in my early tapes and said, "You know what? Let me let me get you on JMB." And I'm, you know, in, eternally grateful to you for that. And do you know what? I think that that is a um, extension of what Kyle gave to me. 
you know, that joy, comfort, place to survive, place to be funny, that was given to me and anybody that I see as well that shows that they need or, or could shine, then I will always tell them that GMB is the place to go. Oh, and, and I think you hit it on the head, you know, earlier, but that environment is just so warm and so welcoming. And, you know, that show that, you know, we did together there, you know, that's still my favorite set ever. Happy days. People loved it. I remember yeah. people loved it. And I still look it up on YouTube and watch it. <laughs> I watch my stuff all the time. <laughs> uh, no, not because not because it's egotistical, but I like to see that I've I've got the balls as it, we can't see them. But it's uh, just looking at myself on that stage from where I came from seven years ago after my marriage broke down. I was just a husk of a person, and to look at me now, I'm like. Yeah, do you know what? Did all right, didn't you? Did all right. You are doing all right. You're you're looking yeah. really you're looking really cute. Thank you very much. Even though I've got a spot scar, spot beard, but yeah, you can see yeah, through that. I'm still, all right with that. Yeah. Well, we'll get together again and drink, and I'll kiss you again. <laughs> yeah, I'll be I'll be drinking uh, lemonade because I'm a sober Sally now. Well, that's okay. I'm not a big drinker. Every once in a while, I go out, but. Yeah, don't tie Most them Americans off. aren't really drinkers, are they? Um, not like the Irish or the Welsh, no. Yeah, true. <laughs> they got their own issues, haven't they? Yeah, but it depends where you're at in the states. Some states in some areas of the country are very dry, and other parts of the country are very drunk and very mm, un true, unsober. Very yeah. It's like if if you live in Wisconsin, you're drunk. Right. Where's that? In the right smack dab in the middle of the country, way oh, up okay. in the north part. So I know that there's three O's, isn't there, next to each other? Ohio. I've lost them now. They're Ohio, in the middle. Ohio. Yeah, we're not too far from Ohio. Cool. Yep. Yeah, as I said, you know, I'm about 100 miles from Toronto if you go across the lake, 350 from New York City, a little under 300 to Washington, D.C. Wow, that's the whole of this country. Yeah, so... Just, just plop England down. That's as you. Yep. So, all right, Jenny. Two questions. God, yeah, put me on the spot now. So, when was your last gig, and what new thing did you do at your last gig? The last gig that I did was one that I actually produced. I'm actually producing queer, queer comedy shows now here locally. Nice. And so uh, we did, as part of the podcast, we did the Rochester Summer Comedy and Storytelling event at our big club here. We had over 100 people on a Wednesday night. Oh, nice. That is amazing. Yep. I'm hoping for over 200 next time. Did you, what, did you MC it or you had a spot? I hosted it and MC'd it. Next time I'm going to do a spot. Um, I'm trying to figure out the lineup for it now. I'm trying to get you over here for that show. The next one's on November 18th. Come on over, uh, Jenny. I'd love to, but I know that a... fear, that fear of traveling. I got it. You know, COVID anxiety. I understand. It's also expensive, and it's about 400 quid. Yeah, it's, what's 400 quid between friends? Yeah, true. I'll have a think about it. November, I don't have any gigs booked in, so yeah. Well, you know, maybe next spring when I get done with school and. You know, I can hop over there. So mm. love, to, love to come up to Manchester. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, no, come. Come, make sure please. You, make, sure you have have extra, make sure you have an extra Make sure you have a nice couch for me. I won't have a couch. I'll have an extra bedroom because I'll get a much Yay. bigger place than this bloody poxy flat I live in. Yeah, so, yeah, so the new thing I did in it is I've actually worked into this where, and it works really well with mixed company where I get up on stage and I find him like, hey, and of course there was, it was mostly a queer audience. And I'm like, hey, how does it, you know, to my cisgender counterparts, how does it feel to be outnumbered for once, you know, because it's like all these <laughs> queers around you. And then I'm like, where are my cisgender people at? And people start raising their hand and I find this lady in the audience and I'm like, what do you have in your pants? <laughs> silence, silence. And then I ask, you know, and then I find a guy, what do you have in your pants? And then we go around, you know, and then all of a sudden I hear this lady in the back of the room yelling, cobwebs. <laughs> <laughs> With a bloke, it's normally his hand. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, you know, so, it's, you know, so I'm just trying to get up there and, you know, talk about that. And then I'm, then I, 
bridge that into it's like oh have you had the surgery and they're like uh which you know and they're like and but you know and i'm trying to use my best amy voice that i can at that point and so it's like some people don't realize that i'm trans at that point and i'm dropping this material so it's like the big reveal comes later in the set and so it's been fun to do that and you know that's good and i've changed up some of my bits and um you know some of my jokes and you know reworked them and added in some new stuff so yeah it's going good it's going good yeah i'm gonna i'm working on developing out my full 20. nice nice yeah Yeah. i wrote a a song today about i've got a um i know this is ask you stuff sorry i got a uh I got a real hang up about going to the swimming pool for the first time in uh, a bikini or a one piece. Yeah. Uh, so I wrote a song about that that experience as I see it in my head. Let's hear it. Oh gosh, it's, it's it basically it goes. This is a story about how my life got changed in so many ways. The chorus goes on, you know, and I put the swimming costume on and I walk into the baths and then. I didn't realize I had a bollock out. I didn't realize I had a bollock out. I didn't realize I had a bollock out till it was too late. And it was suddenly in a kid's face. <laughs> and that's, that's that. Jim, no, I've never performed that. That's a, that's a, oh my a, gosh, that's exclusive. great. An exclusive. Exclusive. All right. Well, you heard it here first on Transformation. <laughs> What's the name of it? Bollocks out? I don't know. Balls out. Balls out or... I don't really give them names because they kind of give away the punchline. True. Good idea. All right. Yeah. So I'll just, I won't say a name then in the promotion of it. Ah, don't worry about it. Yeah. All right. So question number two. So I had a thing recently where I bought a pair of jeans and they're the best pair of jeans I've ever bought. So what is the best piece of clothing that you as Amy have ever bought? Your favorite? Oh my gosh. Oh, that changes over time. Yeah. Recently. Yesterday I bought an amazing pair of stripy pants. Nice. And well, well, when you say pants, you mean trousers. I mean trousers. Yeah. I'm speaking. Uh, okay. okay. I got to make sure I'm speaking English or American. <laughs> I bought a pair of trousers yesterday. <laughs> And they're stripy, and uh, I posted a picture of them on Facebook so you can go back and look at it. I will. And I don't use Facebook hardly ever, but I will definitely I think go I, and check those out. Did I put one on Instagram? I don't know if I did or not. Um, but, yeah, I posted a picture of it yesterday. I use Facebook just for my podcast. and But, yeah, mm. so those pants are a lot of fun, or trousers. Just make sure we got both sides of the ocean covered here. Oh, no, so, I don't mind calling them pants. I like that, but just in the right respect. Yeah, I know. I got you. But I also what, like. What, what do you like? But I also like my. Tra- oh, I just like that they're so flowy and they're fun and the colors nice. are nice and you know. Yeah. And I wore them to work last night and you know my customers were like, "Oh, Amy, I love your pants. Are you going out tonight? Those are fantastic." So you know. Exactly. And so yeah, it's a lot of fun and you know. But I also I tend to wear a lot of dresses, so for me that works here. It's like I don't try to wear the big flowy, you know, stand out of the crowd dresses like every day. Just normal wear dresses so Mm. like i had to go out and buy new trousers for my um mental health internship that i'm doing this semester because they're like you really shouldn't be wearing dresses and crawling around on the floor because we end up you know (laughs) we end up working with kids and we you know end up you know playing with toys and things with them so you know yeah, you don't like, lose a kid. You don't lose a kid up your dress, do you? No, you don't want. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's just better to keep eyes in appropriate places, especially yeah. at young ages. So, yeah. So I had to go out and buy some trousers yesterday. So, but yeah, I just, you know, it's just the everyday clothes though that make it for me. You know, it's yeah. just so much more selection than, you know, previous life where I wore, you know, a golf shirt, a khaki, a button down, a pair of loafers, and I would just come come and go from the office now it's like i get t- the only thing i kind of miss sometime are real pockets yes yes only <laughs> buy dresses with pockets but those are hard to find this is true but also the jeans i bought they don't have pockets but they are also they do you know olivia newton john at the end of greece she's got those skin tight black leather pants on mine aren't leather but they are black and they are skin tight and they are high-waisted and i feel just like her in that scene when I put them on. Ooh, I got to see that. 
Yeah, you don't get them with blokes' trousers. Nope, you definitely don't. So no. yeah, so well, there we go, Jenny. We had a fantastic conversation and interview. Two questions. Really? You nailed it. So thanks. It yes. just came out of nowhere. Well, I tell you what. Here's what I'm gonna do. Well, you disappear there for a oh, second. Sorry. We're gonna. <laughs> um, I tell you what, Jenny. Thanks. Stay on the line here after we go out here because we need to record our open, but. Uh, cool. Jenny Hart, thank you so much for everything you've done for me professionally as a comedian of introducing me to Kyle and GMB Comedy and more importantly for being my friend. I'm glad we were able to have this time to catch up and well, we say goodnight to everybody, but I'll be right back in a little bit with some announcements for the podcast. Cool. Thank you for being you. All right. Good night. You say good night. All right. Good night. Oh, good night. Good night. Bye. Ciao. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. My name is Amy Stevens. My pronouns are still she, her. Hey, Francesca Rodriguez. How are you? It's like I just saw you yesterday. Shocking, yeah. Shocking, right? Uh, Six hours uh, north of here, though, (laughs) or at least where I am right now. Yeah, two hours south of me, but we had fun this weekend. It was great seeing you. It was nice having that little production meeting out on Cayuga Lake on Saturday night. And then, of course, our little walk around Ithaca yesterday morning, so... Uh, always a lovely town you know what people don't think much of upstate new york outside of upstate new york but i think if you're gonna get to like one area in upstate new york like i think ithaca is the place to be honestly it's one of my favorite parts of all of new york yeah and and and, well they say ithaca is gorgeous and it really is gorgeous not gorgeous gorgeous so my glutes are still feeling it from that walk up to Cornell on Saturday afternoon. So they've got their share of hills. That's for sure. Yeah. Now, did we come here to talk about touristy stuff in upstate New York or did we come here to talk about amicus Curie legal stuff? Yeah, this is the amicus Curie segment. And um, so let's jump right in. I've got a recent case from this summer out of West Virginia that got some really disturbing facts. And then we're going to talk about essentially the difficulty that the plaintiffs in this case had even getting into the courtroom. So the case is called uh, CC and JC as next next friends of the minor child MC versus the Harrison County Board of Education. Uh, You know, last week we talked about being in court under some anonymous uh, name or something. This is another situation where where that's come up. Often with uh, minors, the the courts will look to protect the uh, identity of the minor. So that's why this this case is captioned the way it is. It's a case out of the Supreme Court of West Virginia, and it's really kind of at a procedural stage. So, well, let's talk about the facts first, and and then we can talk a little bit more about kind of the standing of the case. The, the plaintiffs are the parents of, a, of a, a minor child, you know, attending school in Harrison County, West Virginia, and the child is a, is a trans boy, and is a, before starting high school, they met with the school, and they told the school that um, their son was transgender and intended to use uh, the, the male facilities at the school, and the, the school didn't object. So this isn't a case like Adams or Grimm, where the school had a policy that was discriminating. But what the school did have is what I'm going to say, and this is a kind of a legal term, they had an asshole as an assistant principal. That's quite the legal term. I think I've heard that once or twice on Perry Mason. Something about, I, m- I moved to strike the asshole. <laughs> Objection. Uh, defendant is an asshole. So let's, let's hear what this assistant principal did. In November of 2018, so this has been going on for a while. So the, school, the student was at high school um, preparing for a band trip and went to the boys' restroom. You know, and before going in, he even checked that there was no one else in there. He went in, he's, you know, in the stall. The assistant principal enters the restroom and then demands that the student come out of the stall, expose his genitals and use a urinal. So the assistant principal, you know, knew that the kid was trans and and made this big deal. And then on top of it, blocked the student's exit from the restroom. So essentially was trapping him in the bathroom. Hold on, hold on. Sorry, sorry. So 
you know, I remember when I used to work in the corporate world, like if you were to block somebody's path, that could be considered sexual harassment. Asking a kid to expose themselves is sexual abuse. But please don't tell me this guy's going to get a pass just because the kid's trans. So he's not getting a pass because the kid's trans. That's not what what's what's going on here. You know, eventually the kid did get out of the bathroom. He was pretty shaken up and was consoled by some other parents. And then there was another incident of like a month later where they were at a, um, a basketball game and this principal was hanging out at the concession stand and basically staring down the same student it was being very threatening. And so after these events, you know, that, that principal was told to stay away from the kid. And initially his contract wasn't renewed for the following year, but then the, the school board decided to renew his contract. And so the boy's parents bought eight, eight total claims. They filed a claim for false imprisonment for preventing the, the boy from leaving the restroom, assault, sexual harassment, intentional infliction of emotional distress. They sought punitive damages. They sought an injunction. And then they had two, two counts that um, sounded negligence. One's called negligence per se, and then a negligent retention, hiring, and supervision claim. And, uh, and so we'll talk a little bit about those. Most, almost all states have a certain amount of sovereign immunity, and essentially it prevents a citizen from actually suing the state except where the state has waived its sovereign immunity. And in West Virginia, you can't sue the state for the um, intentional acts of its, of, of its school board employees. And, and that's under the, the West Virginia Tort Claims and Insurance Act. It sets out what you can actually, what the state will let you sue it for. So because of that act, at, in the lower court, there's kind of two levels of court at, in West Virginia, but at the trial court, that lower court dismissed all of the plaintiff's claims, every single one of them. So all eight claims are dismissed. So they appeal to the West Virginia Supreme Court. And for all of the claims, except for the two negligence claims, so what happened is having had all those claims dismissed, the only two claims that they believed they could proceed on were the two negligence-based claims. So they essentially dropped, you know, counts one through four, the false imprisonment, assault, sexual harassment, intentional infliction of emotional distress, and then the two, uh, the last two claims, punitive damages and for an injunctive relief. Plaintiffs dropped all those because the law was pretty clear. They were likely, the dismissal of those claims was probably going to be upheld. But they did proceed on the two negligence claims. And negligence per se basically is, it's a, it's a kind of negligence that arises from a, a violation of some statute. So by violating the statute, you're deemed to be negligent. So that's what negligence per se means. And so here, the, the, the school board had a policy about bullying and harassment and intimidation um, and so the claim is that they violated that school policy, which is neg negligent per se. And, and the court agreed that that was a valid claim. And then for count six, which was the uh, negligent hiring supervision and retention, the negligent hiring portion of that was dismissed because all the acts occurred after the uh, hiring. Uh, the negligent supervision, it's a little hard to read between the lines, but it looks like they really didn't plead that very well. So but the, the court did allow them to proceed on the negligent retention claim. So the fact that the school board, after it knew of all these acts, still rehired and extended his con the assistant principal's contract, that was the negligent, or it was sufficiently pled to, to, to survive a, a motion to dismiss. Essentially, almost three years have gone by. Plaintiffs have been fighting in the West Virginia legal system. They've finally gotten to the point where the Supreme Court has said two of these eight claims can actually survive. And so now it's back down to the trial court where they're actually going to have to go through a trial. You know, the story's not over. Frankly, I would not be surprised if, if the school board didn't just settle at this point, because, you know, going in with the facts that we just read earlier and putting those before a jury, I can't imagine that 
the you know the plaintiffs are going to get some something uh, before a jury. So I I think this is going to settle out and and the school board will end up paying something uh, to the plaintiffs. But it just kind of goes to show the the challenge that people can have to obtain some remedy for some pretty heinous actions. There's a little bit of discussion about why they didn't sue the the teacher himself. And I don't know, I don't know why they chose not to. That would have been another avenue to possibly get relief. Yeah, sorry, sorry to jump in here. But that was going to be my question. Because so under the West Virginia statute, unless the West Virginia government waives its right and other entities that are covered under the whatever, you can't sue us crap. You can go after the individual personally, even if they are a state employee, like in this situation, like the assistant principal, they should have gone after him personally. Is that what you're saying? I was kind of reading between the lines because one of the uh, justices in a concurring opinion kind of questioned why they didn't bring claims against against the principal. And and I, I don't know the details of you know what their lawyer was considering. It could be that the state would have stepped in to defend the principal anyway. It could be that the principal is kind of judgment proof. <laughs> you know, frankly, he may not have a lot of money. That was going to be my next guesstimation, too. It's like, okay, yeah, follow, let's follow the money. Does a West yeah. Virginia assistant principal have a lot of money, or does, is it the school district with millions of dollars through whatever funds they have or insurance exactly. or whatever else? I mean, I don't know what an assistant principal makes in West Virginia. It's certainly going to be far less than the funding for the school board. You know, you feel for the child who is subject to this. But then once again, the, the this is an example of kind of the legal system piling on the damage on top of what was already done by really making it super hard for, for, for the parents to actually get any redress. You know, and, and these kind of laws exist and, and every state's a little different. The waiver of sovereign immunity varies pretty broadly from state to state. And so I will say conservative states tend to be less open to private suits. The plaintiff's bar, for example, tends to lean democratic and states with strong plaintiff's bars, I would say on average, greater waivers of sovereign immunity. That's kind of a broad stroke. I mean, you would have to look at each state's laws. Well, just kind of from this quick little thing and what we read on Google Scholar and what you just spoke about now, it just seems like the retention angle of it is like the most, probably where they're going to make the most, where they're probably going to get the most favorable outcome for the plaintiffs here in this case is what I'm guessing. Because regardless if the kid is trans, non-binary, cisgender, there's no way any adult should be forcing any child in any school or let alone any adult or any adult any place. Where plight society, where in society is it acceptable to walk up to somebody and say, show me your genitals and use a urinal? There is no place in our society where that's acceptable. So I, I hope at least they do, you know, get some satisfaction of a decent judgment and maybe some compensation for their troubles. But yeah, but the, and- emotion, the emotional damage to this child, this is capital T trauma. And this is once again, where mental health and the law intersect with each other. And so I, I do hope that they find some kind of, at least find some level of peace through a judgment in the West Virginia courts for that family and for that trans boy. Yeah, no, I agree. And one kind of final point, I think, you know, we're kind of still in the midst of these bathroom wars with, uh, you know, people trying to outlaw trans kids going to use the bathroom according to their identity. This is yet another example where, the danger is actually to the trans kids. It's not to the idiot adults who object to the trans kids. Trans kids are not going into bathrooms and, and assaulting people. It's cisgender adults who are causing the problems. Yep, it sure is. It's always the cisgender. Well, it's not always, but I mean, if we look at the numbers, the probabilities are on the side of that. It's going to be the cisgender person attacking the trans person in the bathroom, not the other way around. I mean, I'm not going to say it can never happen going the other way, but the 99.9% of everything we read about in these cases is it's the cisgender folks attacking us. So it's just, just protect the trans kids. That's all we're asking for in schools. It's not hard, right? Yeah, protect all kids, including trans kids. kids. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, let's let's protect kids from predators. Period. I like that idea. Yeah, doesn't that doesn't seem very controversial, does it? You would think not. 
Anyway, I think I'm going to claim that I came in under time limit today. Yeah, Thank you, you very much. I ate up the first two, three minutes in the last couple, so you're fair. We're good. <laughs> All right. Well, Miss Francesca Rodriguez, it's okay for me to announce that you have a new job? Oops, yes, you did. may. Yeah, Feel congratulations. Free. I'm not going to say where. I'll leave that up to you if that's your choice. But congratulations on the new gig. I hope it's treating you well and all the best in your new career, but you're not leaving us here as our general counsel anytime soon, are you? Oh, you mean the, with all the power and authority of the general counsel of the, of the Transformation Thursday Podcast Network, how could I give that up? You know, yeah, because I just bestow all that power upon you. Take the power. That was the worst sound effect ever. Anyway, on that note, we should say goodnight. Good night. Good night.